citizens of the verse. Today is November 20th, 2953, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host, Seagard Olfsen. Hello, Seagard. Hello. It's just us two this week. No guests um, and no checkoff because he's too busy playing the game. For science right <laughs> and now, apparently, though. Yeah, he's doing for science, so maybe next next week. Um, but we thought, you know, maybe we should keep, keep the momentum going and try and make this a weekly podcast again. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's been less than a week for us, really, uh, probably about five days since we last recorded. What what, what have you been up to since then, uh, Seagard? I did a little playing. Um, obviously, been checking out every day, checking out the, uh, the ship sales and all those things. Yeah, IE. And, uh, you know, that's been fun. And then um, I got the, you know kind of fiddle around with some things and uh, kind of just enjoying it. Nice. Did you pick up anything since the only, since the then? only one I've purchased right now is the, um, the new uh, Sulin or what is it? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Gat-Tex. Yeah. The Sulin. I picked that up right now. Um, that was, and that was new. I bought that with, with uh, money versus credits. I still, I'm holding out. I think for the uh, RSI mining ship, I'm mm-hmm. hoping, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and I'm also looking at potentially when they come to MS uh, to um, uh, Misk, I may swap out the Carrick uh, or even the. Um, I have the Crusader uh, airliner, you know, space liner. Oh and yeah, kind of like, do I really need that? But, um, you know, I, I, it's just going to be another cargo ship in the end, right? So anyway, so that's what I've been doing, yeah. kind of kind of pecking out things. And I laid out, I uh, went back in and did another spreadsheet of all my you know, different ships, trying to make sure I knew exactly what I had. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... <laughs> Well, somebody's got too much inventory. Yeah, yeah. If, if he needs a spreadsheet, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it just helps me because I I hate to have ships that have very comparable capabilities, but I mm. do want to have um, like uh, at least three systems worth of ships. In other words, I want to be able to operate in you know in very strong capabilities in three different mm. systems, and then you know maybe mine one type of material and collect another type of material in another system and then research and exploration and manufacture in a third one. Um, I don't mm. want to just sit in one place like Stanton. I want to spread out and, uh, and always, you know, have some portion of it that's always on the edge of the frontier doing exploration. Right. Um, so I break them down into transportation type ships Um uh, then I have obviously mining and salvage ships separate, and then I have um, military ships, um, and then I have what I call the support ships, like the RSV or the SRV, the Starfarer, the Crucible. You know, they're support ships more than they are, you know, combat mm-hmm. or anything else. They're there to support the fleet. Um, so I kind of break things out like that to get an idea. Okay. Um, I myself only played once since our last recording. 
Uh, was it last night? It was. Oh yeah, it was last night we played. Because I crashed and then you crashed. But wait, I played last night. I played the other night too. Yeah, I played twice. Twice. One time I took a gummy and. Oh, that's right. Was, that was Friday. I had to. Yeah, I had to. No, it wasn't Friday. Definitely not Friday. You disappeared. You disappeared. Yeah, I had to abort. I was like in the middle of like flying to a location. I was like, I can't even talk right now. I, I gotta go. It was too potent. So <laughs> I just, I just Irish exited. <laughs> I was like, maybe they won't know. What it is. Uh, I knew you guys would know, uh, but not, not stoned geeky. Yeah, not stoned geeky. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, well, so I I took took a look at the IAE. It's it's pretty cool. We'll we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about IAE um, in a little bit, but um, and then we tried to do some missions and we failed horribly. And then I was like, you know what? I probably should go to bed. Yeah. No. So, but it's been good getting back into the game. Yeah. Quite um, a few guys on the other day. I mean, we've yeah. I'm excited for the next patch just because they're introducing the other components to salvage. Um, oh, I didn't know that. The well, hole munching, essentially. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Or, you know, not not hole munching. What are they calling it? Um, they're calling it something else, but more than just munching. Anyway, uh, so uh, content for the past week. We got an ISC last week, finally. Um, besides one that was behind the scenes at Star- Citizen Con. But last week was a look at the ships coming, or one half of a look at the ships coming to the verse. So we first got our first preview of the long rumored Gatak starter ship, the Sulen. Um, super interesting ship. It has a, it lands um, essentially with your back facing the ground and, and takes off, you know, with your facing the sky right um three different floors tons of really interesting animations super alien looking probably the most unique ship in game currently um really interesting starter ship 70 bucks i think is that that's 70 dollars war bond right uh yes so it's like a slightly pricey starter ship but not as high as we were thinking in chat the other day so um I was kind of surprised they didn't tax it more for the alien coolness, um, but definitely feels really fleshed out and well thought oh, yeah. through. Yeah, no, it's definitely a fun ship. That's why I got it. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, it's another starter. But to be honest with you, it, it's just such a cool ship. It's a very cool starter. And, uh, a very it's cool starter. Definitely something I want. You know, in a game. I mean, it's. Mm. I mean, the whole vertical landing thing. I mean, it's a throwback to the old days, right? Yeah. And uh, it almost looks like if you really look at the the vertical profile, it kind of looks like something from Space Invaders. Yeah. You know, I was thinking with Last Starfighter. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Um, very cool. I haven't flown it. I'll probably rent it at the end of the IAE because I haven't had a chance to. Um, I'm definitely not going to buy it. I don't even know if I'll buy it in game. I, you know, I don't love, I'm not a huge alien ship person right. personally. Right. But if I were to do an alien ship, it would probably be either this or, or now given this being probably the start to their style guide, probably the Raylan. 
Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I I had it at one point as an upgrade, you know, and I melted a bunch of junk. Mm. So when you melt, obviously, especially an upgrade, you you lose it. Um, now, I think what's interesting, and I haven't read, I, I should go back and read the lore around this, but Gatak is a Xion manufacturer. So they're not like, they're not like a POA or any of the others that are trying, or Asperia that are trying to recreate ships. They are a Xion ship manufacturer and uh, their ethos is sort of blending, um, the ships so that humans and Xion's can fly right. it. So I'm getting the sense at least in the, in the timeline of their history, these are newer ships in lore, um, which makes sense then why they look so different from, you know, the Santak Yai and the uh, Cartuol. Cause those are both Xion ships, right? Yes. And the Nox. And yeah. the Nox, yeah. Well, the Nox is more in line, I feel like, than than the other yeah. two. This one was definitely made for, made from scratch yeah. for human and Jean. Yeah, uh, Jean. yeah. and uh, and I have the same with the Raylan. Right. Um, interesting on that, it was the fact that it has missiles because so far the other ships they've produced haven't had missiles. Mm. You know. Um, you know, and that was kind of interesting. And then I realized today that there's these circles that are kind of gold pattern circles. Mm-hmm. Those are the missile launchers. That's what I. That's what yeah, I thought. They and were. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." I didn't see. I didn't notice that at first. For those for those who are in a box and haven't looked at the ship yet, one of the most interesting aesthetic pieces about it is the textures, both on the exterior and some of the textures in the interior are very stone heavy, like yeah. really interesting stone looking, super different from anything else we yeah. have. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of is when you first walk in on the 600 I, you have that stone, yeah. right? That stone yeah. uh, like wall panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even eight, on the uh, 890 yeah, jump 890 too. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great, it's kind of like a little cave and, the weapons mm-hmm. racks are definitely cool. One of them's the weapons racks are bit. really cool. Um, I put my uh, lightning rifle. What are those things called? Those uh, the ASCAV. Yeah, or, the, I took uh, the orange one and shoved it in there with my the, pistol. Not the ASCAV. What's it called? Oh, it is the ASCAV, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, ASCAV. And uh, so I put those in there. It just looks fantastic with the purple lighting. And, mm. and I've been wearing my Xiaomi Moody uh, undersuit today. That's right. That's a that's a Gian flight suit, isn't it? It's been uh, it's been cool. Nice. Um, That same episode, we also got a look at the Crusader C one, Crusader Spirit C one, in more detail. uh, Now that that's released, uh, the Tumbrel Storm tank, and of course, they announced an AA variant, which has an F ton of missiles. Yes, um, and looks really cool. Um, what I think it's over eighty missiles on the yeah on the AA yeah it's that's, like, that's a it's, lot I think I heard eighty one today um, and they launch fairly fast I think it's an even you number can, FYI <laughs> no I, for some reason I saw eighty one today on a video but oh, uh, but you you it's because there's there's like three of the size threes or something it's weird but uh, anyway it, it probably is eighty. 
But uh, yeah, it can volley launch them. And uh, they were able to lock onto ground targets and fire at ground targets and things like that from distance. And I thought that was cool. Um, I don't think it's going to be as deadly as like a ballista, but I think it's mobile and I think that is cool. Yeah. Well, they're much smaller, but so many, and you can fire right. eight at a time. Right. So it'll be good to have a couple of those. It'll be good to like round out your your vehicles. I just they just need to give us more reasons to use them. Yeah. Um. Or they should be obstructions when we're on missions. You know, AI should be using them instead of these turrets all these automated turrets all the time. Um. I actually tested out the tumbrel. They need to fix some of the way it moves. It's real bouncy. Ah, I haven't even driven mine yet. It's really bouncy. It's super cool, but I I didn't even get to the frozen lake on Microtech before it bounced on its side and I couldn't get uh. out. Or couldn't, you know, get it facing the right direction and I didn't have a vehicle-sized tractor beam to move it. Right. So... Oh, well. Uh, so that was ISC. You know, pretty short, sweet episode. Actually, it was not short. It was one of the longer ones. They talked a lot about the Sulin, almost half the episode. Uh, but it makes sense because they wanted to get into, like, I mean, there's so much lore behind the yep. reason why it looks the way it does. And it is a really cool ship. I yeah. I got about it, even though I don't particularly favor those types of ships myself it's 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 coolness factor is super high its utilization is okay i mean it's um you know i i watched a couple things on that and they were talking about you know well first of all right off the bat a hull a is much cheaper and carries much more cargo right it has Mm -hmm. all the features that the sulan has right that's one and then even they were saying you know even like with the uh you could get into some of the smaller ships that, you know, have a bathroom like the um, um, the Aurora carries six cargo. The, the uh, Titan carries uh, six cargo, right? So we, mm. but the coolness factor is amazing, and it's very fast. It's 190 AS, uh, yeah, at, you know, uh, maneuvering speed. So cool ship. Yeah. I think I think the thing that sets it apart slightly is it does have a very good armament compared to something like a Halle. Right. So it's it is a little bit they call it cargo, but it's well rounded. Right. Um, it, good for probably box missions and transport, right. like small important things. Yeah. Um, and then we had a pretty dense Star Citizen live this week. I didn't get to summarize the whole thing, but I summarized quite a bit. Uh, it's a lot harder when um, <laughs> when um, why can't I remember his name all of a sudden um, when we're not getting the quick short snippets from our, our from uh, I keep wanting to say board gamer even though that's not who it is. No. Um, uh, I'm gonna tell you right now because it's driving me crazy that I can't. Remember Salty Mike. So. No, 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 no. Um, Jerry. No, no, Nubifar. Oh, Nubifar. You know, when he does the, because uh, usually, even if I watch the episode, I'll use it, I'll use his videos to create my outline, oh, yeah. and then I'll dive into specific things. Um, 
but this was particularly challenging because um, it was, you know, a lot of stuff. So first half of the episode was the FPS team. You know, these were both like citizen con follow up conversations. Mm-hmm. So first question, uh, people had commented a lot that the radar and ping mechanics are like wall hacks. And the team mentioned that this was like the biggest, most, you know, dramatic version of this. And that just like everything else in the game, they take it to a point of sort of maximum and then dial it back as needed. Gotcha. So there's a lot of tuning that's going to be happening there. Things like how long it takes to charge the ping. They'll, they'll might There might be items uh, that you might not be able to see people behind based on the materials that they are. Um, or based on what the person's wearing, if they're wearing light armor or something that's low emitting, uh, they will have to tweak things like range. Of course, the signal to noise ratio, all these things, including stuff like jammers and and other ways of being stealthy. So it's not going to be a one size fits all. You could see everyone everywhere solution. They want it to be fun. They want it to um, work well, and they want it to be balanced. Um, they also talked about, uh, IK and sort of interactions, um, for players when it's out of their reach. So they talked about animations with the Moby glass. Um, they mentioned that interactions with MFDs probably won't really exist or other UI screens like kiosks, because with more complex, uh, interactions, there's a likelihood that the animations will block the UI and they want the UI to be front and center. They're also trying to determine what the player will look like when they're interacting with something like a kiosk so that, you know, it's not just kind of just stone-faced or, you know, looking uh, kind of artificial. So yeah, exactly. Um, Someone, someone asked, will the FPS rework remove uh, automatically reloading? Um, And this, they talked about, what's called the action matrix and the ability to bring to uh, and their ability to create uh, or chain animations so that actions feel very fluid. For example, while you're sliding, if you hit one to change your weapon, as soon as your player character is free to make that action, even though you hit the one previous, you should be drawing your weapon as soon as you're free to do that. Uh, so as you're coming out of the slide, right? <laughs> so they talked about this, doing that. What's so that funny? I've watching too many movies. <laughs> yeah, well, I've that's... seen I've seen freaking special forces and Delta guys who accidentally draw and fire their weapon. I mean, it's it, this shit is hard in real life. Never mind in a spacesuit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they're trying to make it really um, dynamic. I get it. Yeah, fun, engaging. Yeah, but they they also talked about sort of. Um, things like sliding. Well, they talk about sliding later. We'll talk yeah, about the sliding. It's, later. it's, it's, I mean, it's more... the the believe me, it is not the strap sixty pounds on your back. Make it make yeah. it not balanced. Um, way too top heavy. Have your legs get really tired and try to run. You'll end up face planting. Someone always ends up face planting when you're running for cover. It's yeah. just the way it is. 
Oh, so then the other thing is the the crux of it was, is this going to change reloading? And it said what they're trying to do is make it so that if you're in the middle of about like if you're about to reload, Mm -hmm. but something dynamically comes comes up, you should be able to cancel that action while in progress so that you don't get shot or whatever. Or if you need your hands for some reason or if you need to switch weapons, they want you to be able to do that. And that's what the whole action matrix is uh someone asks as they ask all the time will we have sata ball soon jared said no um <laughs> the purpose of sata ball was to test zero g mechanics before they had the pu what he didn't say is whether or not it would ever come to fruition i can see why it wouldn't be a priority but it does seem like something that they made it seem like we would see someday again um but he didn't comment yeah, on that. I can definitely was... see us having an eSport like that. Yeah. I mean, it'll be in lore regardless yeah. whether or not we can play it ourselves. Yeah. Um, people asked if the looting screen will eventually extend to armor and undersuits. They mentioned how, you know, with the PU version, it's kind of unique and they wouldn't, they didn't really get to see that because we saw the squadron version, which, you know, you're not going to exchange your uniform and squadron. You're going to put whatever you can hold on your, on your flight suit. Um, however, the PU version will have the ability to loot armor and clothing. The difference will be um, what they showed at citizen con is what they call the main view, which is that quick move, like combat favoring kind of screen where you can quickly grab something like a med pen yeah. or some yeah. kind of action item. And then a secondary version that can bring up more detailed stuff like clothing and armor. Right. Uh, someone said, Hey, are you going to ever have an FPS compass? And then they said, if you paid attention during citizen con, there was one in two of the different demos, um, which I can confirm. There was one, the one on the platforms, they had one, the UI, um, navigating the verse. We saw that. And I think we saw it for the FPS one as well. Um, now they did say, maybe that means they need to make the compass more pronounced or visible. Uh, as per usual, someone asked about night vision. Yeah. <laughs> and will they ever have it? They said, well, it, if you look at the new scopes that they are putting in game, uh, that's a good step in the right direction. They have had conversations with graphics about it. They have confirmed it is possible. It's something that they're looking into, but it is a, a decision on the graphics team, not the FPS team. Right. I'd love to see that type of stuff with um So... And I think that kind of fits within their theme is that, you know, you take you take a scope, right? And you say, oh, I want this scope to be a low-end scope. Well, maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to see quite as far. Not because the, the power isn't dialed up, but it's just blurry, right? Mm-hmm. And then, or it's got little speckles in it, right? Um, or the reticle's too big, things like that. And then you could modify that and say, I want to get a better one, so I'm going to get a class B, military grade and has a nice crisp reticle it zooms out correctly it's focused and everything else and i want it to be a night sight well, then you would add that night sight module in and mm. then maybe it says oh but i also want thermal well because you're in a b military you can't have two an a you could get two you could have a thermal and a night sight and regular optics right so you could have these upgrades um Another, I would. Imagine. I think they could do that type of stuff, right? 
I would imagine they will eventually do it. It's just probably not high priority, but I bet you if they do it, it'll impact the emissions that you make as a, as a player. Oh, absolutely. Or the visibility, right? Like night vision goggles, like you might be able to see those from a distance or something like that. Uh, It'll be, I hope they eventually. Same with helmets, uh, right? Yeah, there's yeah. even cases. Well, that's what I'd imagine. Night vision helmets are ones that can turn on to night vision. Right, or you can have the reticle imposed in your helmet so you, uh-huh. you don't have to raise the rifle. You can fire from the shoulder or from the hip, you know, things like that. Better helmets give you better capabilities and more modularity and you know, all those yeah. things. Exactly. Um. Someone asked about sort of like all the different FPS gadgets that they've heard about. Breaching charges, decoy grenades, mm-hmm. repelling wire, gliding packs, deployable shields. Um, they said, yes, we're still working on those things. We're working on deployable shields. Where Their main focus as of right now is to get the more contemporary FPS items done first and test that and make sure that's a good experience. Yeah before they move on to the more wacky sci-fi stuff. So that's their focus. They want FPS, things like grenades, smoke grenades, flashbangs to feel good. Um, They mentioned laser trip mines and how they're in game, but they're not quite player purchasable yet. Probably because they're working out the rule set and the law around placing those Um, more than anything else. Uh, Then they said, hey, we saw pouches at CitizenCon. Will those work with looting inventory? They said, yes, it will. And then this is where they asked about the slide mechanic and said, how will you, how do you intend to mitigate hitbox abuse? They said, there's a lot of different things that they can use to mitigate for this. Uh, They can use inertia or stamina to penalize somebody's overuse of sliding. Uh, Sliding on its own right will use a lot of stamina. Mm. you know, they mentioned how when you are low stamina, you're going to have a harder time aiming. So um, they said they're aware of how arcadey sliding is. The intent behind the mechanic is not to be John Wick or some sort of like superhero. It's more about to to get to quick cover. I I actually I like the idea of adding those things in. I just you know I I think the moves like that are good. You're you're representing, you know, a portion of the elite, not, not mm. necessarily the, the military, but you're representing an, an exceptional group of individuals, right? That you, you're going to have some better abilities than the AI. Um, I get a little wonky when I, you, you run into guys who are all the same abilities and more than you do. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, we're all mm. right. Um, you know, uh, like, the ability, like, I think the advantage for us is, you know, when we reload, we don't make mistakes. Maybe the AI occasionally drops a magazine, right? He goes to load mm-hmm. and then drops a magazine and goes, crap. And now he has to crouch down and try to find it, right? That's the advantage you'd have over an AI. But against another player, if you go at the same time on reload, you should generally be the same. Yeah, you're not even shaking in a combat situation. Correct, right? You know, the, you, <laughs> you know, know? And, like, and to be able to load and slide and you know pull out your knife at the same time, I'm telling you, that's some that's some funky circus act stuff. 
Throwing a knife, throwing a knife. I think absolutely. Remember, Seaguard, there's still the rule of cool. There is the rule of cool. Um, last thing they talked about, or one of the last things, I they, I may have not taken one down, but they talked about time to kill, um, which is something that they've already, they said you'll notice some changes have already been made in the PU uh, to the overall combat experience. Um, you take more shots than you did previously, and this is overall a step towards creating balance. They want to increase the time to kill both for PVE and PVP. They want it to be fair. They want it to be engaging. The, the, um, the example they used is you go fly down to a bunker and someone's hiding around a corner and all of a sudden you get out of your ship and they gank you. And they said, how fun is that after you've prepared for this entire mission and you're yeah. dead immediately? Yeah. Um, they said they'll be iterating on this patch to patch Obviously, this will tie into medical gameplay and injuries. You will notice that there are more injuries happening now, though. So that will be the drawback, which I think is a fair, I agree. A fair thing. I agree. I'd rather have an injury than die. Yeah, I agree. And especially because you can use the med gun and the med pens to mitigate those for a mm-hmm. short period of time while you're still in a combat situation. Right. So... I think that's the way to go, especially some of these armor sets like to die so quickly. You're like, really? This seems like it should be virtually hard, like pretty hard to, to penetrate. Yeah. There's certainly some of that. And like, um, you know, certainly you have, like I was mentioned earlier, the modules, right? I can't imagine mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't be able to buy a set of armor that automatically injects you with a healing potion or a healing Serum. serum when you're <laughs> wounded right um yeah. or it gives you adrenaline right you can it'll mm. inject adrenaline in you and you could have you know custom made ones that are high high end military ones which are good and then you know medium ones may not have as much stuff and light guys may be all manual right mm. you're uh you're not the richest mercenaries in the world but you can do everything the big guys can there's a trade-off cost yeah. and versus the automation piece. Um, in effect, your armor I, you know, would be better because it provides more capabilities to you. Yeah. Well, it's also because they haven't physicalized this stuff yet. I mean, it, yeah. they have. They haven't physicalized right. the damage on it yet, right. right? So now it's a hit point on a cross-section of, of your body instead of, hey they hit two separate spots in the armor, right. but the armor is still sound. Right. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a, a good change. Uh, next up was the flight team, which was essentially just Yogi, <laughs> um, who is always a, a, a wonderful person to have on. And he actually answered some clarifying questions in Spectrum afterwards because people were like very confused. Um, which I just happened to notice. Uh, so first question, how long is an average ship expected to be able to hold in place versus a, uh, when hovering versus a dedicated VTOL ship? And Yogi said VTOL will be way more efficient than non-VTOL, but he guarantees engines will not overheat super fast. You will have time to land. Good. Um, 
then they asked about this is one that he clarified. He said they they said copilot interactions, and he you know what well, when are you going to put copilot interactions into the game? And he sort of was trying to say like well what what ships actually truly have a copilot versus what ships that don't, and they're looking into changes into the the ability to control different systems and distribute items to seats, for example, um, on a cutty hand, hand, uh, handing over the forward-facing gimbals to the co-pilot. Afterwards, people got kind of like, hey, but co-pilots are a real thing in some instances. I mean, even he mentioned like something like a checklist, like they could go over checklists and stuff if you want to role-play that. And... Um, he said, well, they actually have been looking at, you know, like checklists for the ships, like to see how the status of systems and if everything's operational. He also mentioned that they are looking at the ability to dictate if there is a dedicated co-pilot seat to, to hand control over to a co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, they're looking into those things. It's just that it, it has to make sense. And yeah, that, that would be a great discussion to be part of. I mean, I would love that because, Mm. you know, I do believe, you know, having sat in lots of military equipment, positions and vehicles and things are, are hard to, you know, hard to figure out because there's the ergonomics package of it, but there's also this thing that says this thing can only be so big. And if you want to add Mm. armor, you can't make it any wider, so you got to put it deeper inside, which reduces the amount of space for a crew. Mm. Do I have five people or four people? Or maybe I only yeah. have three people. So now I have a driver, a gunner, and a commander because I don't need a loader. I need an auto loader. So you have this trade-off. Um, in a more advanced system, I could see where you buy a better computer and it goes, oh, now any position can be controlled by any person, right? If you want to be the commander and drive, you drive from the top hat, mm. right? That would be like an advancement. Um, and your basic, again, your basic equipment, you may have the Nova tank and it's the basic tank, right? Everyone just has one control panel they can see. And some things mm. you have to fix manually after you get out of a seat, go in the back and plug in a board and fix it. Um, an upgraded Nova may have everything automated with one guy. Yeah. You know, I think that type of thing would be cool. And then you could have mercenaries and, you know, the cost goes up, obviously, capability goes up. Mm. Um, so I just think that's a cool One, a cool feature there or mechanic they're looking into. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, like so for some for example, some people were I think what they were hinting at is like, for example, a Corsair. It would be really nice when you're about to land a Corsair if you could give the co-pilot control control of the ship because you have that bottom facing view. And so Yogi implied not in the show, but via spectrum that that would likely be possible and is something we're looking into. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, someone asks about master modes. What is the current backlog backlog of ships being converted? Uh, to which they replied, all of them technically. <laughs> um, when they move it into the PU, the way that they're likely to, to, to have these changes be reflected is in steps. 
So the first step will likely be simply the switch over to speed, right? Mm-hmm. Keep people at a, at a smaller distance, um, you know, have to decide between navigation mode and, um, you know, combat. And then uh, from there, next will be looking at the different ship archetypes. What type of ship is it? And then uh, tuning them for handling for that ship. And then the last step will be the individual differences for a ship. Um, So it'll take time, but likelihood, it sounds like the speed changes will be in probably first. uh, And then, then the others will, you know, take some time. I'm sure we'll see some of the speed changes pretty quick, relatively quickly. Um, Then another master modes question, how will non-combat ships be? um, How will non-combat ships be treated with master modes. Um, and Yogi said, it's the same rule set, right? There isn't a big difference between civilian, um, between ships. He said, civilian ships might have more protection than others. He said, the bigger the ship is, the more unique it is in terms of putting it into some type of pattern. He said, in the future, expect fighters to have a much harder time around larger ships. Larger ships will not be as vulnerable the only time larger ships should have to worry is if a a ship that specializes in taking down larger ships is involved. Interesting. So, uh, and then this goes into the next question, armor. Will it, will it prevent damage between a threshold or will it serve as a percent reduction? And Yogi said the design direction that they currently have is, for example, a very large ship being hit with weapons geared towards an anti-fighter will not harm that large ship. It'll Which be like, is true. They, they use the example of, imagine if someone walked up to a tank with a pistol, that bullet isn't making a dent. It, it literally, in many cases, will not even crack the arm or the paint. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's the example they use, and, and that's what they're direction is so in the future something like you know these capital killers and these torpedo ships are going to be required to take out larger ships and fighters will be required to take out fighters um which makes a lot of sense and that makes so they use an example even like the hammerhead shouldn't have to worry too much about escaping fighters in the future in the future the fighters should be worried about escaping the hammerhead right I love that ship, too. I think it's a great-looking ship. It is a great-looking ship. Uh, They asked about turret gunners. Are are you doing anything to make this better? (laughs) Yogi said, funny enough, I'm currently working on that myself. He mentioned that um, right now turrets aren't supporting precision targeting mode because they're already a gimbal themselves. They're their own gimbal. But he said he's looking at adding gimbals two turrets to enhance to enable the ability to do precision targeting. He also talked about, um, you know, things working with manual and auto gimbal modes. Um, also tweaking weapon performance, like on a turret, uh, projectile velocity. So it's more likely to be accurate compared to something that, you know, isn't a turret because of the speed of the projectile. So all those things will come into play, but he's working on continually making it a better 
more worthwhile experience. I, I think the um, my favorite turret setup was the original Reclaimer, where each person controlled like three turrets, you know, basically covered from the left front all the way to the back and then the bottom. And the other guy had left right front to the back, all any at the top. I like it, but it feels like overkill. But, you know, the limiting arc, you know, if, if the guy's mm-hmm. in the perfect spot, he can get hit by six weapons. But yeah. if he's up front, he's only going to hit maybe by four. And as he comes back, you know, he gets hit by two and then two more and then two drop off and then the rear guns pick him up. I think the challenge for me is that regardless, there's a limited viewing angle for a lot of those turrets. So you see three weapons or three sets of weapons shooting at a target that you can only see for a very small portion of the ship. That's that's why I like the multiple turrets one operator. Right, so anything like you could take it like the reclaimer. Really, you could run it with four people, which is really what it's designed for. But it, but I think that's why. So I go back to, but depending on which turret you're sitting in, the other two turrets are slave to it, right? So if you're in turret one, turret two and turret three may have a better firing angle on that person, correct? So if they're going to do that, they have to find a way of swapping hot swapping between those really easily. And and it was automatic originally. I mean, all the guns tracked. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. that they fired if they couldn't hit. I, I think they always fired. But that's actually, you know, something from World War II. They had that ability um, yeah. in, in later bombers. But uh, my, my thing with turrets is not that I can't hit. It's that your time to of the target being exposed to you is very limited. Um, especially if, if yeah. you're on the right side of the hammerhead or the reclaimer or the right side of the, of the uh, retaliator and, the, and your pilot is turning left, the left-hand guys are getting loads of shots off. Or the right guy, you're just staring at the moon. Well, I think... Oh, it's boring as heck. I think if I could think of how some of the changes that they're talking about will improve this, Besides some of the stuff they're doing to turrets themselves, on top of that, if you think about the speed changes to ships. Oh, yeah, that's true. So they'll be, if they're going to come in for an attack on a bigger ship, you know, then they've got to be careful. But also, you know, given what we know about um, the fact that once armor's in the game, a fighter won't be attacking a reclaimer. Correct. Then you have to worry about something that'll disable the ship or something that'll board the ship, right? right? So, but a lot of those ships will likely have signatures that you can hit at further out. And I, I bet you they change the range on some of these turrets so that you can start hitting them sooner. That would be good, especially with precision targeting. Yeah, them. that would be cool. Right. So then it'll be like, ooh, we better not fuck with this reclaimer because. It's a threat. It it has powerful weapons. It's just, you know, it feels like it's kind of like a turtle on its back sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'll be the way that they do that. Hopefully. We'll see. I say we'll see. So this episode is the we'll see episode. 100%. 100%. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Um, I'll be back in 30 seconds. Keep going. 30 seconds. Then you can ask me a question when I get back. I won't know the answer to you. All right. Well, the next uh, question that was asked 
was about how will ships that are essentially shaped like bricks, like Seaguard's favorite Aurora, how will they handle with some of the changes? And Yogi said it won't be too punishing. They still want ships to be fun to fly. They don't want it to be uh, so challenging that people can't fly a starter ship um, that isn't shaped with you know great wings or whatever. Um, you know, certainly there's ships of VTOL like the um, the Drake Cutter, but they also will likely just make it so that a ship like an Aurora might have uh, to fly faster in order to not stall, um, to avoid sort of it dipping and, and crashing. So ultimately what they're trying to say is they want it to still be fun. They don't want them to handle so poorly that it's torture. Um, but they do want it to be different than something that's more aerodynamic. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up the past week of content. Uh, this week we will be getting a second part to the ISC about ships, uh, that will be debuting during this convention. Uh, so we'll likely, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Argo SRV, the new RSI ship. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, maybe an, another cutter. Um, and then uh, Star Citizen Live is a not quite live. It's a pre-recorded session about resource management with Thorsten and I forgot the other person. So good stuff this week. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, checking on the boys here. And I... Oh yeah. How their science experiments yeah, going? They're, they're <laughs> hauling stuff in. Nice. Um, so we're in full fledged, pretty much almost smack dab, not smack dab. We're kind of in the early middle, uh, the first quarter, almost first half, definitely first half of IAE. <laughs> yeah. You eliminated um, all the other mathematical fractions. I'm looking- well, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it's not really a quarter. It's not really – it's maybe a third. Yeah. We're in the first third of IE. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been – it started on Friday the 17th. It's Monday the 20th now. Um, so the first day was Alien Manufacturers, uh, first and second day. Uh, the 18th and 19th was, was Aegis. The 19th and 20th was Crusader and Tumbrel. So that's going on right now. And then today started uh, Origin. So Origin is today and tomorrow. Um, Then starting tomorrow is Drake. Uh, Then on Wednesday is Argo, Consolidated Outland, Grey Cat, and Kruger. On Thanksgiving and Black Friday, we have Anvil Aerospace. Black Friday and Saturday, we have Misk and Mirai. And then Sunday, Monday, we have RSI. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, best in show, and finally the grand finale, which is essentially just a day that you can rent everything. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, three days technically. Um, so so far we've seen two new new things. We've seen the Gatak Sulin, and we've seen the Tumbrel. Now we're not expecting anything new for Origin, right? As far as I no, know, we haven't seen anything new. Drake, they could do a little sneaky. Exploration cutter variant, but we're not yep. sure. Um, Argo, it's not new, new, but the 
they'll probably it'll be the first introduction of the SRV. Um, so they'll hype that up a little bit. I think we don't. I, I think we also might see the um, the Argo utility vehicle without the oh, changeable so? pods. Right, you'll be able to get the pods. I think that's a possibility okay. because they showed that it's possible. They showed that already once, um, and that shouldn't be challenging to do. No, I mean, no. I'm hoping. I I'm wonder, actually hoping that happens. I would get one for that purpose alone. I have. I have a couple that you know I've upgraded, but I have a couple that buy that. Do you want to hear a theory of mine that I just came up with just now? Yes, please. I think that will be the first true um, example of modularity. Uh, what call modularity, but I don't think we're going to get it until we have hangers. Yeah, it could be because then you could store the modules and and hot swap. Yeah. I could be a hundred percent wrong. Maybe it'll just be, you know, until the meantime, it'll just be in, you know, just like anything else, like adding a gun to your right, ship. Right. I'd like to see it, you know, maybe have the, um, like, you know, it can carry a single pod right now, but it's a cool little ship. Um, I wish you could do some kind of better ground the surface time and surface to space time. It's just, it's really, as it stands right now, its purpose is still questionable for me. Yes. It it seems like it seems like it makes a whole lot of sense because of squadron. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense for ferrying people between ships. Um I don't know. It'll I'm really interested to see how they make that worthwhile. I've I've always wanted to see ships in orbit, right? You don't have to be at a station. You're in an anchorage. And then you could take your little ship down to Area 18 and fly it back up, right, with supplies or people. But the the problem is it's not particularly fast at doing that because you can't quantum. So, but I can see maybe they'll find a way to, like, have bigger ships not have a taxing... Like if it's in atmosphere but not too far in, maybe they can. Yeah, I can see it also just ferrying people from to and from a station, yeah. or cargo to and from a station. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I think like a tractor variant would probably oh, that be would amazing be cool. for like loading yeah. ships. Yeah. Um. So that would be an Argo one I could see. I could potentially also see an Argo ground mining vehicle that's bigger. Mm. I mean, I could see a lot of Argo vehicles. They could anything industrial. I feel right. like we can see an Argo for. Yeah, you know, we haven't we haven't seen um, right now the Rock and them do okay, and they've certainly made mining better overall. I've been mining on the ground with the Rock uh, Prospector mm. and doing very well. I can find stuff all the time. It's fun. I think that the vehicles need that same ability to kind of traverse longer distances and carry more cargo. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see ground mining be a little bit more sustainable from the ground. So I'm hoping maybe, and I thought we had seen a vehicle that was a little bit bigger ground operated mining vehicle in one of the you know the black sketches the silhouettes 
Mm. I thought there had been one in the past. So, so I don't know. Um, sorry, I just hang on one second. Yeah. Okay, so we um, were in Argo, by the way. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that makes sense. I, I can see also like with base building eventually coming up, Argo could be a good another manufacturer for a base building ship or vehicle. Yeah. Um, doesn't seem like we're going to see anything from Anvil Aerospace. I don't think so. Um, Misk Mirai, there's been some leaks with Mirai about a, about heavy a heavy fighter, a heavy fighter. I don't, that looks, kind of, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see it. I don't think so either. I think that's going to be a while out because we've, we've been hearing about the Sulin for, yeah, I think, well, I think the Sulin was, uh, I think that was a, a, an early diagram of the Sulin. Mm. No, I think that might be Mirai still, but either way, I don't think we're going to get anything from them. I think, I think you're right there. Um, and then RSI, we know we're getting a new mining ship because they even say it in the program. Yeah, and we know we we know enough that it's in between a mole and an Orion because that's what we voted for. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, and they need to test out the crew abilities before they bring out the Orion. It's too big to build without it. Yeah, that's too big to yeah. even though they did a good amount of work on it over yeah. the years. Um, so of course that's the last one because that's the big expensive ship that is mm-hmm. in concept. But on the plus side, even though it's in concept, given that RSI, it makes a lot of sense that they're putting it into the slate now because they're working on all the big RSI ships. So I think it'll be a shorter concept, not a longer one. I'm wondering if, you know, there's a couple things, you know, they're showing on the floor in those little display areas. Like, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. So there's certainly there's the mining section, right? And they have some interesting stuff going on there with a little bit of equipment and things and kind of guys working together with a rock and also hand mining and some other things. But on the other side, there is a bunch of like carts and things, uh, forklifts, and some are more substantial than others. I'm wondering if we're not going to be able to buy those. Oh, I'm, I don't know about now, but well, certainly in the future. I'm saying, I wonder we if we're not going to see those straight to usable. Oh, I think with hangers we will for sure. I'm just wondering if it might be this, you know, during this IAE. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I personally don't think so, but, but I don't know. Yeah, probably not, but I, they're out there, they're, there's a quite a variety of them. Um, it would be interesting. So anyway, okay. Now the other thing is, so this year we didn't have the luxury of Jax McCleary, and people said, "Oh, well, not people." The CIG, I think it was Zylo, said, "Yeah, we've been dedicating our teams to creating." Uh, you know, cinematics for Squadron. However, two days ago, we got two videos from this random security slash bounty guy called Garmin Humble. It's pretty funny. They are funny. 
And then I don't know if you saw, but via the leaks discord, I don't know why they didn't post these, but via the leaks discord, there were some videos by like someone who wanted to seem like a spectrum influencer. Uh, Her name is Mahali or Molly. And it, and there's three videos by her that were posted on YouTube, but you can't, they're, they're, the links are not um, indexed. And it's Mahali go, Molly goes to Orison part one, part two, and part three. And essentially she's sponsored by Origin. And she goes to Orison and she's like, checking out Orison, seeing the sites, doing the Stormwall tours. And they show her doing a Stormwall tour. I haven't seen they this. They're go in the leaks discord and go to star citizen news and watch them later. But the last one is essentially she gets caught in the middle of siege of Orison. Oh, <laughs> and she's like, she's like trying to escape. And she, she's like running over nine tails in a, in a PTV. <laughs> And she accidentally launches one into a cutty and makes it explode. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Oh, I'm going to have to wait and see if they come out with that as part of the show. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine today's origin day, so I would have thought they would have posted it today, but maybe they'll post it tomorrow. Um, but That's funny. Because she's sponsored by Origin, so it kind of feels like... I, I, I don't get the narrative thread as to why we have these random people and what this has to do with IAE. So I feel like they'll tie it together somehow. Personally, I think it has something to do with finding Jax McCleary oh, with the first guy. Interesting. Since Jax is stuck in Pyro and the guy went to Pyro. But I oh, don't know. Interesting. Interesting. So he is funny. We'll that guy is funny. That It's just funny videos like very machinima, but obviously well done yeah. by the cinematics yeah. or whatever team. Um, <laughs> very entertaining. I might rewatch them all again after this. If only I had a gummy, then they'd be extra funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's IAE. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest yeah. of it. Um, now, what do you think? The uh, so we've had these additions. I I personally think what's cool is they've been iterating on the show floor, and yeah. it, it's weird to me. I'm surprised that they have done it at uh, Microtech again. I was kind of yeah. too, but now, um, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think there's a reason because even though they just showed, like I just talked about the the. Um, Siege of Wars and mm-hmm. stuff. But remember there was supposed there were leaks a while back about a Xenothread event? And what have you noticed in the spaceport and around Microtech? Have you seen have you noticed it? No. There's graffiti oh, all over. Oh, that's right. And it says humans united. Yes. Don't buy alien. Right. right? So part of that seems like it's just kind of like, hey, reject Gatak and and all that yeah. stuff, but also maybe it plays into that because there was supposedly a Xenothread event that they were building towards that was going to take place near Microtech. That would be fun. Um, so, you know, who knows? Because sometimes when they 
when they do this, the, they kind of like hint at it for a while before uh, they do anything. So, right. But it's interesting to see that they're doing that. And maybe it might even be like a test of um, what is it called that they, they name this uh, overlays. Maybe it's a test of overlays. It could be. Because that might be an overlay of like when a dynamic event is happening involving Xenothreat, this overlay takes place in or in um, New Babbage. Like, who knows? But then they also had an- another thing that I th- thought was interesting at the event, that that big arch was really cool. And I did see, um, I don't know if they had this last year, but I noticed yesterday at least, they have a new hall, like some of the halls are extra large compared to before. I think so too. Like they used to have one, the biggest one was circular. And now you look and what was it? It was um, Crusader with all the, the, the C2, A2, M2 or whatever. All of them were in one hall. And you could tell it wasn't circular shaped. It had like bump outs in the back and front. Um, so I was like, okay, so they keep iterating this. They're keep, keep expanding it. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I, I'm getting a little, um, I mean, I, I, it's, it's been good so far. And, uh, you know, it was kind of good to see the origin stuff today. I'm, I'm getting tired of the holograms, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many times I've looked at those. You know, I get it. They got to have something. Well, when it's the same ships yeah, over and over again. They should be like, I don't know, just something you walk by instead of having really going down there and looking. Going, oh, yeah. Right. Um, even have a mock up of it or something, right? You know, you, you say, or a you know, model. Yeah, model. Something that's a little bit more solid. I, and maybe they haven't <laughs> finalized the design, and maybe that's the reason. But that's probably. Yeah, right. I mean, I. Imagine, though, if they accomplish what they hope to and get most of the backlog of RSI large ships done this year. Yeah. Imagine how big the RSI hall is going to be oh, next yeah. year. Yeah, that's, that'll be impressive. I'd be a Polaris. I mean, I'd like to see them Galaxy, get the G12 uh, and the, you know, the, uh, yeah. the bike done. Uh, well, those are on the roadmap. Yeah, now. yeah. I'd like to see them get them done and, you know, so we can at least look at them visually at one of these IEs. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's, and there's a bunch of little thing, you know, a bunch of little ships like that. Um, I, you know, and it's, we haven't seen consolidated yet this year, but consolidated is, does not have nearly the number of ships as everybody else. So I'm, it's, I'm kind of wondering what's going to go on with them. Well, because they're the newest manufacturer in game, or in lore, supposedly. They're like a Tesla. They're like a disruptor. Right. They do have one of the biggest ships for building habitats, right? I mean... The the biggest currently, right? And they have a civilian um, ship, which I have. You know, I have the uh, Mustangs. Um, Mm. But they need something else in there. There, there needs to be something else. Need some medium and large size ships for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. But I'm, I'm feeling like that's kind of a an area that's kind of weak. Um, you know, or, they're definitely my least favorite manufacturer, just based on like I don't 
understand their overall style yet. Mm-hmm. Um, lore wise, though, it does feel like it is the whim of a a rich dude running it. Gotcha. Like it does give me like an Elon Musk vibe. Right. You know, like you look at a Tesla and then you look at that stupid truck that they they showed off mm-hmm. and there's no continuity in between them. So it's like you get that sense that it's like, okay, let's just build cool things yeah. and based on my whims yeah. that maybe you don't get from the other manufacturers because they're way more established and have a, a very long history. Yeah. The Nomad is, you know, that's really kind of the last thing they came out with, and, but it's a it's a great ship. I mean, and the hover bike's cool. Yeah, too. that's right. Yeah, you know, that whole thing where you got a hover bike that goes with the Nomad, or you can put the rock those on the back of the it. Closest, those two are the most similar. Yeah, and, and that is um, such a cool dynamic. I mean, and uh, maybe that you know, maybe that's it. Maybe they come out with a ground vehicle or something. But uh, I would like to see a little bit more of them um, represented. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling. I have a feeling they're not as prioritized because they don't have a very good defined style yet. Yeah. Whereas like RSI, they've, they found their style. They found the style for RSI. They know what they have to build going forward because everything left on the RSI docket besides the Orion is the Dorito shape language. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so it makes more sense that, now they can take what they've learned, start building large RSI ships. It, it, and the, and you could see the design language now. It goes from everything as big as the um, Polaris all the way down to the Zeus has a consistent language. Yeah. So, you know, it'll it'll be a lot easier for them if that's what they're doing full force or, you know, 80% of their work is focused on that. And then I feel like consolidated outland is probably going to be one of the last ones to get more fleshed out. Cause Drake is already very well established. Oh, yeah. Very style guide for that. I mean, I'm my, you know, I have very little left on my Drake pack that isn't built the Krakens. I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Everything yeah. else is working. And we're still getting variations like on the cutter and things like that. Um, yeah. Um, it's just, it seems like it's so much easier for them to do that because, you know, it, not that it's kit bashed, but it's just, they have such a definitive language that it doesn't really, right. they don't have to do it. You know, origin is still kind of finding its way because the 600 I is in kind of that middle, that middle road and the, it does have different shape language and they're trying to unify things a little bit, but yeah, I think there's Drake. I think, um, Anvil has a very established style guide now, but probably not, not, not even as strong as Drake, but probably closer. Yeah. So that's some of, some of the things I kind of noticed. I would, um, yeah, there's just some areas in there that I would like to see kind of cleaned up. Um, mm. To make it a little bit more, um, make the lines a little more flushed out. Um, mm. But you know, and, and I, I'm still trying to overall trying to figure out. There, there's obviously a progression in the game across you know 
different skill sets, right? You have small ships, medium sized ships, you know, for transporting and then medium, large, then large, and then, you know, large, large, right? Um, you have those, you know, coming, but it's kind of hard to figure out like who's the main transport groups, right? Who are the, who's the company that says I'm a transport group. And I would have said MISC because of the whole series, right? But they also have some, you know, big uh, ships for mining and they have this, that, and the other, right? Um, they have the Endeavor. There's just some really interesting stuff that's not necessarily just transportation oriented. Um, you look at Origin, I kind of get the space shot thing. Great. I would have thought, you know, maybe they went from like a 300i to a 400i to a 600 to an 890. That's kind of it. But, you know, we have an exploration version of it. We have, uh, you know, a fighter version. We have a, a, a Pathfinder version with Salvage or with a, you know, a tractor beam. And then we have the 100 series. And they're only, the 100 series is only like, Five dollars less than the three hundred series. It's yeah. like I don't understand what that is, right? Um, and even then, the one hundred series seems kind of like not even. I mean, it's like a, a a nice body, but you get inside and it's just it's bare it's bones. Bare bones. I mean, it's less than the Aurora. <laughs> it's really, it's like like holy crap! This is crazy. Um, I mean, I fall into the category of I don't like any of those starter ships. <laughs> yeah, I I like the starter ships, but I find a use for them. Right, I, that's me. I it's nice sometimes to just take out a smaller ship that you do things that works mm. every time, you know, and uh, you know exactly what it can do. Um, you're not, but to me, I I'd sooner take out a cutter or um, a uh, nomad. Yeah. And those are and those are more advanced starters, right? So, um, but yeah, I I just I'm kind of looking at the ship lines. I know the Anvil and Aegis are definitely the old military, new military. They're the you know the Boeing's and the General Dynamics and uh, Lockheed Martin military guys. Um, and I know that Misk is kind of a little bit of everything. Um, Drake, but mostly industrial. Yeah, it, it is. I think most of it is right. I I think like RSI um, is another general practitioner. I guess you would call it that. You know, they cover the mm. gamut. Um, but there there is like, I guess two dimensions to the thinking is. I guess in my mind is is that how long does it take to progress? Just like you have a kill time, a time to kill. Well, how long does it take for you to progress from one size of ship type, like cargo, to the next size? Um, you know, is it going to take a year for a person to start with an Aurora and go one year to get to the, you know, the hull E? Or is it going to be impossible to get to a hull E, right? You know, it's going to take you multiple years. What's the what's the plan there? Uh because mm. right. um, those are kind of the end game ships for like transportation, right? The Hully. Um, and is there going to be a, you know, a definitive thing that says 90% of the people operating will be operating, you know, at least in their mind, they'll be operating in the 170 cargo range. Mm. You know, what's, what's that proportion? Um, 
so I, I guess that that's the kind of the 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 realm. And then if if you do want to stay with a line of ships, you know, do you want to stay in an industry? Or are you going to stay within one line of ships? And you know, how are you going to progress to that? Like mining, for example, right? Yeah, you know, the mining. No one company has any of the mining ships. More than one of the mining ships. You have RS. You have Misk with the Prospector. You have Argo with the Mole. You have RSI with the Orion and the new ship coming out. You have Tumbrel with the uh, ground mining vehicles. I would have thought that there would have been some manufacturer, probably Argo, that was like, "Yeah, we do industrial shit." We're we're the mining consortium guys. Mm. Does that make sense? Same salvage, same with salvage, right? Who are the two sal? Who are the guys that are industrial here? Um, It's kind of mixed up. Even I guess not to belabor it, but even like uh, when I look at Drake and I see the Vulture, it doesn't look like a Vulture. It doesn't look like a Drake ship. It Mm. looks a lot like an SRV, just industrial. Yeah, right. It's a Drake does industrial though. Like there's elements of a Drake ship, and they do that are clearly they do the Caterpillar. I mean, for transportation, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I you know, yeah, I'm trying to trying to see what we what areas we've got. It's a little bit haphazard right now. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, it definitely makes sense. Uh, What I was going to say, well, I guess. Ultimately, it'll be, it'll, mm, I keep almost commenting the same thing. I think, I think they have so many ships pre-planned so far in advance that, mm-hmm. you know, there's concepts years out of development mm-hmm. for, you know, at least, at least a year out of development. And I'm sure some get backburnered and put on the docket, you know, cause concept Absolutely. artists are cranking through concepts. Absolutely. So and then marketing will slot things in and the ship team will slot things in based on availability of team members and and, and the and what's being built into the game right no sense building a mining ship if you don't have if you're focusing on the cargo mechanics <laughs> yeah i get it i yeah. get it and I, definitely i want to see it kind of sorted in the future all right i mean if i think industrial <clears throat> the two manufacturers that come to mind for me are misc and argo so all that says is what we're missing from Misk is salvage ships. We're missing from Argo is anything that isn't sort of mining and or logistics. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, we did get one tip slash trick this week from S. Gateman. He said, FYI, Seaguard, you mentioned in the last podcast about decoupled landing, it does work great. But remember, your landing gear must also be down or you will drop. Yes. Landing gear down, your down-facing thrusters will counter gravity. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great tip. Um, um, what about you, Seagar? Do you have I, any tips? I do. Um, so we're going to do science second, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if I tell you the tip, then I... Okay, well, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the tip. So, if you're in the new Sulan, right? The a lot of people are saying, how can you tell which way you're facing when you're 
looking at the ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. The way the seat works is that it you get in the back and it spins you around to face the front of the ship. So your mm -hmm. feet are facing the, the front. front, all right? Um, so that is how you can tell um, it works. Oh, so if the if the entrance is facing your feet are facing the elevators, correct? Then you're facing the right direction. You just have to lift off and tilt down. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, nice. so that's that was the thing I came up with. That's a good one. I deliberately got I on and did that today. I checked. I do not have a for sign or uh, tip or trick, but it is time for science. <laughs> I like that song. We did, we did get a cup, a few um, instances. One uh, first one coming from S. Gateman. This is actually a reaction to something that you're going to hear later. But <laughs> sorry, guys. You know the order in which we do these episodes. Um, S. Gateman said regarding Skur's thought about doing deeds on the dark side of the planet to avoid radiation and pyro. Yes, I think that works. When I was playing the tech preview, I was doing some missions on the dark side of the planet. I then quantum to part of the planet that was experiencing sunset and was immediately greeted with CME warnings, which stopped after a minute. Then when I flew higher in higher into armor. Atmosphere probably. Oh uh, yeah, Atmo. That's what he means. Higher into Atmo and had more sun exposure, the warning came back. Now, could it be a glitch or coincidence? Maybe. Needs further testing during the next tech preview. Yeah. Radar does not then, go through, it creates a shadow. Yeah. So I'm assuming it kind of works like a radar. Or a radar. Um, and so I think that is a good strategy, going into the shadows. I mean, it would, ma it would make sense yep. in my mind. Uh, Skur said, hey, cool to read. I couldn't. Actually couldn't confirm because it happened to me only once, and I was still on my ship. I was surprised that the warning message suddenly stopped when I quantum jumped to a location on the dark side of Pyro 1, but ended up CTD, crashed the desktop before I could really test it out. Thanks for sharing. Toki said, I have a Gemini, and it hasn't refueled for the last at least two patches. Can anyone confirm, or is this just a Gemini feature? I was able to get it to partially refuel some quantum but wouldn't do anything for hydrogen for science. Uh, I have no idea. So in the Starfarer, I've been able to do that. I've been able to refuel both. And it's I'll do another refueling ship. the ship or refueling other refueling ships? Refueling other ships. Oh, okay. And I was, well, I was able to get both from a station. I purchased mm. the fuel and then... Um, I mean, you don't do it from the normal window. You have to go, I'm thinking it's at the panel. You have to order it and you tell it how much to load. I think it's, it's been a while, but yeah, I've loaded both onto other ships that were behind me using the uh, docking nozzle. Yeah. Hmm. I, I can't say Toki. Sorry. Um, must be an issue. It is intended to be able to refuel, so obviously since it has yeah. the fuel tanks um, and the fuel nozzle. Well, I'll give them a tip for that also. 
to minimize your cost or your chance of losing um, a lot of money, don't take all your fuel cells with you. Mm. Take only two tanks, one of each, and that way you minimize your losses if you get taken out or take damage. There you go. Um, anything for science? Senior? Yeah. So, um, two things, and, and this some of this goes to Badger and to I'm sorry to uh, Hamar and uh, Netmage, probably Badger too. But I don't think he bought one. So the Sulan, when you're in the hangar, um, we had talked about better ways to take off. So one thing that happens when you get in the ship obviously now we know that you're facing forward when you're at the top your feet are facing towards the doors you can mm-hmm. you can definitely tilt the ship forward you know take off a meter and then push the ship down until you're centered on the door um, and you can move through the doorway as long as you don't raise your landing gear uh, you probably can get through with your raise, your landing gear raised, but the ship does get wider when you pull in your landing gear. It's going to mm-hmm. be pretty tight. Um, but with your landing gear um, deployed, you can enter or exit the, the entrance just by flying straight at it with your glass nose, just like you would any other ship. Um, just mm-hmm. be careful not to strike the sides, but it, it has some room when, when the landing gear is deployed. Once you get into the hangar, you can then use auto land, and it it's perfect. It, it, it just rotates it vertical and sets it right down. It's it's fantastic. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, so that's that's tip number one: is you can go in and out uh, horizontally, and it's easier to land. Just use auto land. The second one mm-hmm. is is that. If you don't want to do that and you just want to slide out the ex- out the entrance or in through the entrance, basically your front and your front and rear strafe become your um, your up and down and your mm-hmm. vertical and um, uh, vertical uh, strafes, you know, down and up, move you forward and backward. So just, you don't have to worry about left and right. You just go instead of, you know, your normal instinct would be to hit the forward keys. Well, that's going to smash you into the ceiling. So you'd actually want to use your um, up key and that will just slide the ship out the hangar. All right. Excellent. Um, Next, we have your question. All right. So last week you had asked, what practices do you plan to use in Pyro to reduce the damage and injuries you and your equipment will receive from the solar flares? Um, I think this is a new submission unless someone changed names because I don't recognize this name unless I'm forgetting. Uh, And I I apologize if I did forget because, you know, we've only gone for the first time in a while a week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but China Shop Rodeo said, insulate components with the suits of my slain enemies. <laughs> a little dark. I like but it. <laughs> definitely in character with Pyro, for sure. Um, Trader Jeff said, I don't know how to protect myself other than staying in Stanton. <laughs> S. Gateman said, SPF 50 sunscreen and sunglasses. Yeah. Um, Skyguard said, figure out what faction has the best logistics and side with them. Um, Skur said, by doing all my dark deeds on the dark side of planets, though I'm not 100% sure it makes an actual difference, something to try for science. So as you can see, the corresponding comment. Uh, Zeem said, if CMEs remain as relatively mild as they were in the preview, I probably won't change much about how I play beyond taking extra care in asteroid fields when one is in imminent danger. Or, or one, one, ugh, when one is imminent. I'd very much like to see them increase the intensity and damage with, from the flares so I have a reason to seriously consider shelter and shadow while out on missions. Cinder111 said, Hope my paper-based Drake ship survives or explode for being looked at by a star. Earth said, if I'm able to repair minor ship or hull damage with the multi-tool, I'll just do that and try to hand salvage the materials from other ships. If it's damaged to me, then a stock of meds on the ship, I hope I will do. Or I hope will do. And then Kazam said, if there is an alert... I'll be sticking to the dark side whenever possible, assuming that would offer some shelter, but more likely I'll forget altogether and become an overcooked hot pocket. I mean, so far I found, uh, you know, when I was doing the tech preview, if I just turned off my power, I didn't experience any issues when the solar flare happened. That's an example, right? That's that's an example. Yeah. So you turn off your power. Now you have no protection against yourself. Right. I just, uh, uh, it didn't harm me in the ship. Right. So I think that's got to be figured out. For me, I think, yeah, turning off power would protect your ship. I would have a feeling that it wouldn't necessarily protect you. Um, boosting shields? That's what I would have thought. Max power shields, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I All I know is it just didn't disrupt my ship at all because I turned the power mm-hmm. off, and then once the solar flare was done, I turned it back on, and it acted just as normal. Oh, see, I, I decided some uh, – I thought it actually caused some damage uh, to a couple of ships. Um, one I was on, I actually thought I got the, you know, um, what do you call it, the imbalance, torque imbalance, and the screens were all shimmery. Um, like electrical current had gone through the systems. So I'm thinking we're going to be able to, you know, burn out capacitors and things like that. That's probably what it will. It'll probably screw up um, relays and stuff. That's what I'm thinking. I would, so for me, I might, you know, I would, I would think that powering down would be good except for your shields, keep your shields up. But certainly shut off your quantum drive, your navigation computers, anything else that, you know, is like that. Um, even put maybe max shields facing the sun um, at the expense of the other sides, which are more in the shadow. You could also get in the shadow of an, a bigger ship, right? If you're with a Carrick and you're in a 100i, you can just scoot up beside it. And I think mm. that would help you also. 
Well, the Carrick maybe will have an advantage with the Blast Shields. Yeah, exactly. So, and the Terrapin, yeah. um, heavily armored. Yeah. If you're on the ground, let's say you're going to land on the ground, um, you, know, you get the shadow of mountains probably won't help you, but caves probably would, right? You could move into yeah. a cave, I would think. Uh, if you're, especially if you're on the ground mining or you're running around in a uh, Taurus or not Taurus, uh, Ursa rover. So I was just thinking, you know, yeah, thinking about different things like that. A little theory crafting, a yeah. little unsure. Yeah. We'll 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 probably get more detail. I hope. One thing I hope is I hope they add some more special effects to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it kind of just seemed like a bright, shiny burst of light. Yeah. Maybe some sort of VFX. Um. So that that's all the um responses. Uh, what's your question for this right. week, Mister Seeger? A little longer. It's already posted, but I will try to. I will read it. A little longer coming from you, yes. oh. I would never imagine a multi-tiered, uh, complex question coming. From so, you. so what sparked this was that I was obviously doing my inventory of my stuff, and I realized that I have a lot of hangers, and I'm assuming that most people have at least one, maybe more than one hanger with their pack. Right? Some will have multiple packs. So, for me, example, you know, I have. Uh, I have 20, or sorry, 21 hangers. So the question is revolving, you know, how were, how do you think CIG could resolve some of this, right? Do we really need 21 hangers? Um, I probably don't. But so the, the question is, it reads as, you may have purchased multiple hangers for Star Citizen. Many of us will have many hangers. For example, I have three AeroView, eight of the VFG Industrial, and 10 of the self-land hangers. How do you feel CIG should handle this situation when Star Citizen goes live? And I have a couple options, but any any ideas are welcome. <clears throat> one is the simple one, uh, option A, one permanent hanger for each you own. One, once placed, it cannot be moved, but maybe it could be rented or sold as property in the game, kind of like a claim, right? Um, option mm-hmm. B, each hanger represents um, or is converted to coupons worth one week. So coupons where we would resupply each month because they're part of the package, right? So, so in my case, like I would have, you know, 10 weeks of self land and eight weeks of uh, industrial hanger or three arrow view per month, right? I could do, in fact, two, VFG hangers per month, free. Um, and anywhere, I could just go in there and say, I want to move myself to this one for this week. Or never have to worry about it and just keep it in the same place forever. Um, but I think you get the gist. Uh, the third option is each hanger represents one ship space, but you only get one hanger of each type that you bought. <laughs> so if you only bought you know, one package and you got an arrow view, it's one ship space in an arrow view hanger. Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, or some basic space that's allocated. Um, for me, like I have the VFG hang- industrial hangers, I could have eight single hangers, or I could have one with eight ship spaces allocated to it. Right. Um, 
So that was uh, any ideas are welcome, but that was uh, just some food for thought. I think uh, guys who are, you know, there, we have several guys who have more ships than I do. And that's going to be a problem, right? It's, uh, yeah. I surprisingly um, only have three hangers. Now, surprisingly, you're limited to only three hangers that'll be free. That's that's the question. Where are you going to put your three hangers? Mm. Right? So that's where it starts to get interesting, right? Um, I could put out many hangers as I progress through the game. You know, I could put out one each year for you know, 21 years <laughs> or two several each well, year, spread them around the galaxy. But When I first started, yeah. I had a bunch because I – what ended up happening is I bought ships willy nilly upgraded some, yes. you know, all this stuff. And then ultimately one year when the, what was it? The 2048, mm-hmm. that's a 2948 um, exploration pack mm-hmm. came out. I melted everything and bought that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I upgraded some of the ships in that pack. So most of my stuff is in one pack. And then I think I have a standalone uh, Fury and a standalone Pisces, um, medical Pisces, and that's it. Yeah, I have four that came with packs, including the four-ship Fury pack. You know, I got that combo pack. It came with a self-land hanger. Yeah, um, that my Fury came with a self-land and my um, C8 medical, C8R yeah. medical. Pisces. Yeah, and, there, and there's lots of, I mean, it could be converted to credits, right? I mean you know, so many credits per month. It's like, a, you know, an allotment. Um, you know, I don't know, but you know, it's something that's kind of, uh, we should get some value out of it. Um, the same, I have some thoughts on it, but I'll save it for next yeah. week. Yep. So that's the idea. I doubt it's going to be what they initially said though. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and what I'm doing is actually, in in case they listen or watch, maybe it'll provide some ideas to them to consider. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of why I put that type of question up. Mm. It's a good question to ask, for sure. All right. Well, that is... Uh, we don't have any Q&A. Uh, any final thoughts before we... Close out this episode, Seeker. I have one. This is for Chekhov. I've been checking on them. They're still uh, they're in my care. They're in my caterpillar, and they're still uh, mm-hmm. tractor beaming like crazy. Actually, they may have landed, um, but uh, yeah, I think they landed. They were they were practicing with tractor beams. If no one uh, knew that, the uh, the thing I was going to say was that. Um, I use those voice packs, and one of the mm. voices is Callisto, right? And it happens to be Chekhov's girlfriend, Rowena Dooley. That's who does Callisto. Who's Callisto, though? Oh, Callisto is just the voice and voice packs. It's just a person. Oh, it's just yeah, a name. Yeah, but Rowena Dooley is the uh, Agent Dooley. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. It took me a second. Yeah, sorry about um, that. Who he calls Julie. Yes, who he calls Julie. He doesn't yeah. even call her Julie. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's why I'm so confused. Is like, oh, that Julie. I really like that Julie. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. That's funny. Um, well, you know, this episode's coming to everyone a little early because it's the week of Thanksgiving. Um, everybody have a really happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Enjoy time with your family or friends or whoever you spend time with, or if you're going to be in game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's good to be back, uh, one with a less than a week time period in between. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try it again next week. <laughs> um, in the meantime, though, if you do have any questions, you can always submit them by emailing us at citizencastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle. I'm not going to call it X because I don't care. Uh, at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through our Spotify landing page, or you can join our CitizenCast Discord. All the links are below. Uh, as we always say, if you're out there looking for some crew, looking for an org, or just looking for people to play with in between your solo sessions, come over to Parlay House. It is a neutral zone for players of all types to hang out and socialize while playing Best Damn Space Sim. Um, and last but not least, check out some of our friends of the show who are fellow content creators. We have Earth Snorkel and Undead Parrot creating videos over on YouTube. Uh, there's Admiral Cody and Calibri's music uh, that they've created most of the music for this episode, as well as additional content on their um, their page, as well as um, there's Star Jump with their Fleet Viewer, as well as uh, regular content on Twitch and YouTube by Grimm and frequent collaborator VMZO, uh, who create uh, both who created really great tool with those models, as well as some great content out there. And that, dear friends, wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Even though we never see anybody, we hear. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> just na- my natural comments just come out. <laughs> yeah. I think they actually parked my ship and it's functioning. I, uh,. I explained. I had to explain one of my dates about Star Citizen and, <laughs> and such. Then it was, uh, and then I said, "Oh, you know, I also record a podcast." <laughs> and they were like, "So, uh, how long does your?" Po-? They, they texted me earlier. They're like, "Oh, how long is your podcast recording for?" Is it uh, like 45 minutes? I said, well, <laughs> sometimes it's over two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're never that sure. Depends on, depends on how many people we have on, mm-hmm. how long it's been since we've recorded, what's going on in, in the world. <laughs> how many gummy bears you've had and uh, what you're drinking. How many gummy bears I've had, yeah, mm-hmm. if I could stay on topic, yeah. etc. I don't know. Well, that was a good one. Yeah.